Weirdo bookworms, unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Hi everybody, this is Sandra. And this is Scott. And we're the Genre Junkies, and we are joined tonight by a very special guest who's been on the show numerous times, but it's been a minute, Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Hi, hi, hi. Hello. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back. Thank you so much. I've been away for too long. I've missed you guys. Oh, we miss you too. We miss you too. And I know you've read some of the same books we have. Um, We picked this one tonight to talk about because it was a highly anticipated uh, fall up we all read the first book so just to let you all know like we're we're socially distancing still so amanda's on the on the call so uh if she sounds like she's not in the same room as us that's because she's she's not not. (laughs) no 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 (laughs) but we wish you were we wish you were oh i wish i was too well okay enough with the sad chat Um, so tonight we are discussing the sequel to The Hazelwood by Melissa Albert, and it is called The Night Country. So if you have not read The Hazelwood, you cannot read The Night Country. <laughs> I think we all agree on that. Completely, yeah. It's pretty necessary. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess if like you were stranded at an airport and that was the only book you can read, like she will catch you up on the events of the first book, but it would be weird and I, I don't think he'd be invested. I actually think that I'm going to pop in before we even get any further and talk a little bit more about that. I think not only is it important that you've read The Hazelwood, I think it's easier if you've recently read The Hazelwood. I think that th- I think that it's worth rereading it for this novel. Mm. I I completely agree. I got started on it and then I was like, oh, well, well, wait a second. Do, who, do I know this person from this? Do I <laughs> And I had to definitely go back and and just revisit it just because it is a whole new world. Um, There's a lot of information in there. Yeah, no, definitely. So we've all said you can't read The Night Country without reading The Hazelwood. So spoiler alert, we cannot talk about The Night Country without talking about The Hazelwood. So get out now. Yeah, our spoiler free section (laughs) will be filled with spoilers from The Hazelwood. You have been warned. And if you like fantasy and you haven't read The Hazelwood, you need to rethink your life anyway. You really need to read it. Go listen to our episode about it. Join in with us and then come on back to the night country. So as as a quick recap... The Hazelwood is about Alice and her mother, who who lead a nomadic life. Uh, Her mother moves her from town to town, running away from strange happenings that happen around Alice. And it turns out that Alice was a story in a fairy tale world doomed to loop in this horrible story that she was written into over and over. And her mother stole her from that storybook land. Mm -hmm. And the whole story is about her being drawn back in and escaping again. And her grandma was the one that um, kind of perpetuated all of this. Um, She stole the stories from what they call a spinner. (laughs) Yeah. So, so in in the typical uh, 
portal fantasy style her grandmother was sucked into this storybook world from our world and stole all of these stories and wrote them into books into our world so we know about this world in that world much like uh, lion witch in the wardrobe that kind of thing mm-hmm. so when the book starts we've got alice is back home uh her and her friend finch uh had defeated the spinner, if you will. And all the stories are free, but not everybody's happy about that. That's right. And that is what leads us into the night country, which let me give you a bit of the synopsis. With Ellery Finch's help, Alice escaped the hinterland and her reclusive grandmother's dark legacy. Now she and the rest of the dregs of the fairy tale world have washed up in New York City, where Alice is trying to make a new, unmagical life. But when Alice learns something is stalking the hinterland's survivors, she suspects their deaths may have a darker purpose. Meanwhile, I actually don't want to read this next part because I feel that's a spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) I am not going to read the next part of this synopsis because I feel it is a spoiler that it's surprised about halfway through the book. But there is some cool other stuff happening as well. So, Amanda. Yes. You recently reread the Hazelwood prior to reading The Night Country, you said, right? Well, uh, to be fair, I kind of re-skimmed it, but because I remember things, I was like, oh, oh, that's right. No, I'm more caught up than expected to be. How excited were you to get back into the world of the Hazelwood? Oh, I was, I was totally excited. I mean, you know, we, we all love our fairy tales anyway. Um, But of course this one, this, this particular world, these are not the um, scrubbed up, very shiny fairy tales of a uh, 90s childhood. These are kind of old school, lots of gore, plenty of uh, death and violence. Darkness and cruelty and beauty. Right, which you don't don't really get enough of, but yet, um, so it was just so delightful and original uh, with these stories that uh, the author had come up with um, that populated this lovely Hazelwood world. Um, So I was really excited to revisit that. Because this book, uh, the first one, The Hazelwood, was like, Scott and I absolutely loved it. Love, love, loved that book so hard. And that's, you know, it's it's kind of scary when the next outing, you know, is is upon you. And you're like, am I going to love this? Do I have to like compare this to the other one? Do I just link it together as the next one in the story? You know, because you want to give it a, its fair shake. But at the same time, it's it's hard when you love the first book in the series so much. Absolutely. It's, it's really hard <laughs> for lightning to strike twice, as they say. Yeah. And, and as she says in the afterward, second books are hard. Yeah. <laughs> I can only um, imagine. Uh. I actually, yeah, that it's, um, you know, so many times in movies and in books, they call it the sophomore slump. And I think it's, you know, partially because people have such expectations. And then it's like, okay, like, we got it. We got to be fair here. But at the same time, it's like, you know, they've got to catch lightning in a bottle twice for you. Yeah. And I I think oftentimes you see this happening with TV shows a lot, too. It's like there's a story that they want to tell maybe in the first season. Mm -hmm. And it's that person or that small group of people have been writing that story for years and years by the time we get to it. You know, like she I don't think she just came up with the Hazelwood on a whim and decided to go ahead and start writing it three weeks later the novel was done um you know it's only something that she'd been working on i would assume for quite some time and it was so lovingly and thoughtfully put together um so you know so then where do you take the story after that exactly it's a love of a lifetime then you know what what do you do next 
So keeping it spoiler free, should we just share our experience scores with the Night Country? I think we should. And I'd like to go first, if I may. Um, To our listeners who have messaged us, you may notice that we are a week late on our episode. And that's because before even starting this book, uh, I have been in a bit of a book slump. It is mainly my fault. (laughs) So I'm just going to put it out there. So I came into this with a little bit of a struggle. But once I really started this book, this was a pure page turner for me. I really enjoyed going back into Melissa Albert's world. I was really excited to see what was next for these characters and this world and and where it was going to go. And and once I really started it, I, I loved being in that experience. I think that's really, really well said. How about you, Amanda? How, what's your spoiler-free experience? I mean, I, I loved it. I would almost say I liked it even better than the first one. Ooh. Like my, it just, and it's possibly because, you know, the first one was so good. It left so much content in my head. It didn't have to rebuild itself. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I loved it. Um, you know, this one takes place mainly in our world, which was a, just a a whole different kind of dynamic for me from the first one. And I really, really enjoyed that. Ooh. I like that you you had that experience and that it was almost like better than the first book for you. That's like that that is shocking. I mean, not like because of anything content wise, but just like wow, yeah, okay. I, I always like first books better too. So for for uh, me, this one adding on it and uh, going in slightly different directions with it, I just really appreciated that and was very much along for the ride. Um, I agree on that. I think it was really smart how she told the story. And um, I re-listened to our Genre Junkies episode that Scott and I did about this book um, recently, too. And Scott had been really nervous about a sequel or more books in the series because he's like, oh, it's just like so, you know, so good. And, you know, you don't want to ruin it. And I think that she approached it in such a smart way that it was almost like impossible for the first book to be ruined. Like she did just enough of like different stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, So for me, I would say this was a solid uh, page turner. Not quite the full on obsession I had with the first book, but um, that might have just been like headspace or maybe being nervous about where this book was going, you know, just because it is um, a follow up to a book I love so much, but definitely a solid, solid page turner. I have to say that that the first book and and I and I realized some of this stuff as I've talked to friends who have read it since we recorded our episode. It starts as a kind of traditional, you know, YA fantasy novel and goes into a very dark, unique, kind of twisted, confusing place. And it's very unique in the way that it goes that route. This this book, she does a good job of taking from that dark place and making it kind of a more like like realizing, okay, this is kind of a, a dark and kind of a grungy world going on from that, but but creating a story that is very different. The the, the tone overall starts from where the Hazelwood le- leaves off, but it, the whole book feels like a very different story. And I think that that, as you said, works very well for it to not try and really be the exactly the same. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And um, I think she gave the characters a lot of room to breathe and um, that that was something that was really to the to praise this book and like how much uh, 
how much it was even better than I could have anticipated. That, you know, the characters, our main characters, Finch and Alice, they're not together for most of the book. And, you know, but like there's like this way they're kind of communicating, which I don't want to spoil anything. And of course, we're getting to follow each of their adventures. So we're seeing them grow. We're seeing them change. We're seeing them develop as people. And it's not like the two of them were like, I don't know, fighting for airtime or something like it just never felt crowded. The book felt like it had a lot of room. I I completely agree. I I think it was just very, very tactful of her to, I I felt like she put in the, um, the second perspective chapters in really good places and really fleshed that whole story out um, in a way that was timely, made sense, but didn't, didn't spoil itself. Like you didn't see all of the stuff coming, or at least I didn't. Oh God, Um, no. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought that was artful and also just really well executed. I like that too. There was a lot in this book that I didn't quite see coming. um, And I I really appreciated that, especially with Finch's story. That was the one where I was really like, oh, okay. So that's, oh, okay, we're doing that. And that's what's happening. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I can say that coming out of this, my favorite character is still Finch. I I can't say that Finch was my favorite character in the first book, but I, he was just fantastic in this one. And I, I liked the believability of, of how his character grew and developed. Um, he definitely has gone on a journey since the beginning of the first book. And, um, yeah, and I bought it. <laughs> I thought it was great. And somehow he ends up being just so human. You know, you have all these, you have all these perspectives and 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 people that you're meeting and talking to, and you know they seem very normal. And then when you actually get, when you actually hear from him and the way that he talks and the way that he reacts to things, like, oh no, no, that's how a human would actually be in this situation. Yeah, I know what you're um you're saying. So I think we're all probably really, really itching to get to the spoiler section. So um we're going to give our appeal scores. And um I was gonna kick it off if that's okay with you guys. Go for it. Kick it. <laughs> <laughs> So for me, I'm actually, I'm kind of still looping this in with the Hazelwood. And I can't remember if this is the score I gave it last time, but I I really want to say mass appeal on these books. I mean, and they are kind of massively marketed. Um, I know that sounds stupid, but I mean, like, you can get this at Target. And, <laughs> and I mean, that kind of says something. It says that, like, the first one was such a hit that you can get it, like, really, really easily and accessible. And I just think that it's such a great book for people who love fantasy, for people who fantasy is not their thing. Like, it's not high fantasy. It's not, you know, lots of court machinations and families to follow or anything like that. Um, It's portal fantasy. It's dark fantasy. As I said, it's cruel and beautiful. Um, She has this way with words that is incredibly luscious 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 and if you like that she is definitely the the writer for you i have to say i agree that this is a mass appeal book i i think that the that both books in the world are i I find this one to be even more satisfying altogether than the hazelwood and and that's not that's not a knock on the hazelwood at all i felt the hazelwood was perfect in the way that it was done but this one is even more for the masses if that's possible Uh, i think that the way that she she you know 
expands the universe that she's created and explores even more adult themes in this is is brilliant and really uh will 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 reach out to a lot of people. I I agree. I mean, let's call it what it is, folks. It's massively, <laughs> it's just massively appealing. Um, but uh, I, I also, yeah, I think that she, uh, she pulled off an Empire Strikes Back on this one. Um, <laughs> nice. I, I think if you like the first one, you're going to love the second one. Um, I agree that the satisfaction factor is there and that it kind of makes sense too, um, just based on uh, where we left the first one. You know, the, the tales, I mean, it definitely gets tied off, but she left this beautiful door open for more story. And this one, um, there's still a, there's still a lot more stories that can be told here, even about uh, these central characters. But um there's just a really good get when you get to the end of this one. At least I felt there was. So yeah, I'm giving it a massive appeal for sure. Perfect. All right. So we're going to go to the spoiler section. But just one last thing before we do. How cool is it that Alice works in a bookstore? So cool. Pretty cool. All right. <laughs> we'll see you in the spoiler section. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. Okay, welcome back to the spoiler section of The Night Country, a Hazelwood novel, as it uh, says at the top. Silmanda, did you read this in uh, Kindle or did you have a physical copy? I read it on Kindle, um, which, of course, I'm, I'm always a big fan of Kindle, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I One thing I really wanted to call out is how freaking awesome the artwork is in uh, this, even just on a Kindle screen, like looking at the uh, looking at the covers of the books and uh, just the the little call out notes for each chapter. It's just a delight. This book um, is so gorgeous, just like the first one was. We actually yeah. do have a physical copy, and it's kind of really pretty, like dark navy blue, and then it has this corally orange foil for all of the illustrations around the book, and then of course it has beautiful um end pages that are like vines with white flowers and it's on this bright orange and then it has all of the beautiful little chapter headers yeah it's just such a well-designed book did, did did the kindle edition did they find some way to put borders around the stories um well i'm reading it on the kindle app on my iphone just to call out all the brands okay uh, <laughs> I don't think I remember any borders. No, just those, just the little um, illustrations at the start of each chapter. And then, of course, looking at the cover and stuff. When it goes into a story, um, like Sophia's story, it has uh -huh. really pretty little stuff around the corners, which that was one of my favorite parts of the book was Sophia's story oh yeah she was great as a character absolutely she was a great um i don't want to say foil but almost like a foil for alice you know somebody that's like she she doesn't alice is so uniquely of both worlds and she's never gonna fully fit in in either one and there's kind of like she's really struggling with that through this whole book and sophie was a good example of like yeah alice you're you're not like these these guys yeah, I, I would say one of the one of the main real real points of, of these books and of this one really specifically is sort of that question of what does it mean to be human? Mm. And that having the juxtaposition of those characters just really illustrates that in a lovely way. You know, um, ultimately, I think 
it's it's about this ability to change like we talked about finch in the first part of this um you know where he starts from <laughs> and to where he goes like and you said he's the most human one in the book well he is the one who has sort of the the longest to go and manages to get there um gets there with compassion and and gets there with being honest with himself and being honest with um this person that he cares about um and i think that's really lovely and the, the stories unfortunately because of the way that they are written by the spinner, <laughs> they are locked in this loop. There's no, they can't really grow. They, they're they sort of stuck in whatever uh, point of view that they were in. And, and the thing with Alice straddling both those worlds is because she was written to be that way. But then she was taken out of that environment and raised in the human world and taught to um, think differently. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love, I love that question. I love the the journey of exploring what that is. Scott and I are huge fans of the theme of what it means to be human. And normally you see that in sci-fi. So it was, you know, with like AI and stuff. So this was like really cool to see it um, in these books, especially in this one from a, you know, a book lover's view. And it's given me, you know, these whole new kind of ideas about, now I do believe you can DNF a book if it's really not for you, but like, oh my gosh, don't DNF it. They're stuck. Like you have to get to the end. You have to find out how the story finishes so they don't just just stop there. <laughs> it's a really funny way of um, anthropomorphizing. I can't say that word right now. Um, <laughs> that works. That works for me. I, you all get what I'm saying. Animorphs. The Animorphs books. It's, it's just like the Animorphs. <laughs> um, I have to also say, it's spoiler-wise, I really, really loved Finch's storyline. I thought it was so cool. Oh, yeah, for sure. Finch's story could have been a book in and of itself, and I would have been happy. I would have been very happy. Um, did anybody else love that, like, he was kind of, like, for a little bit of time there, he was traveling around with these two other dudes, like, they're backpacking through Brazil or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just uh, just backpacking their way through uh, all these dark and lurid fairy tales, yeah. Yeah, these other two human guys, you must want to be like, geez, like, how do all you refugees get into these places? And then, just, it op- and then the world opens up even more, and you're like, there's refugees and transplants all all over the place it's a, like this ultimate gap year so uh, <laughs> yeah no uh, yeah they were just there turned out to be a lot more humans knocking around in the hazelwood than uh, i think we expected hinterland stands that's right and then how do you say her name iantha e- so, according to internet <laughs> which has to be true uh, it's yolanthi yolanthi mm-hmm. i had a hard time with that name <laughs> But I love that name. It's really pretty written out, but I just can't fit it in my mouth really well. Yeah, well, there's a character with a really similar name in um, Court of uh, Thorns and Roses. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yes. And I kept in my head at first envisioning her. Then I was like, no, stop it. (laughs) Raw fantasy series. Um, What an interesting character that girl is. Yeah. Um, I, I like that we almost have like an unreliable narrator situation there. Yeah, and no honor among thieves. Yeah, and uh, in in uh, fantasy as in life, um, you you don't necessarily know if someone's lying to you. You have to make this decision to trust them or not. Uh, but he did make her promise the last part of of their agreement. So that part, I think he was sort of hedging his bets a little bit there. Um, she has a little bit of honor. 
Yeah, yeah. Like there, there's something there. I don't know if it's just you can't really break an oath if you if you made it. <laughs> I don't know something. There. But that's all inside baseball. We can get to that. <laughs> I mean, she fulfilled her commitments. She, she did. Feel, she fulfilled her commitments 100. percent She just didn't tell the whole story. Lies of omission. Um, I love this game of telephone of what the night country is to different people too. Yeah, that was fun. It was also just, it was fun to kind of see how like an original Grimm's fairy tale can get, I don't want to say watered down because I like the fun, shiny versions of fairy tales, just the ones that I, that I know. Um, but to kind of see how it can morph from something, you know, deeper and more sinister perhaps into something that's a little easier to take with the bedtime story. Um, so I, I like that she kind of created that model within itself. Yeah, that's um, that's really interesting. It's like a macrocosm, microcosm for like fairy tales and then fairy tales within a fairy tale, essentially. Um, I, I just enjoyed the travels of Finch and... <laughs> Did I say it right? Um, Yolanthe, I I just, I loved where they went and what they did and their interactions and that Finch, you know, took these little artifacts to Hawk. (laughs) And uh, I loved uh, Grandma. It was so cool. I don't know. It makes me kind of gushy. Like, I was super anxious, and I mean anxious, for Finch and Alice to be reunited. I was stressed for the whole book. But um, at the same time, I loved the method with which she was able to write to her. It was so magical and so cool. And I loved that they were so, you know, like they just love each other so much. And they were so excited to be reunited along with me as a reader. I was definitely nervous in this book that that he might not be in it. I did not read the jacket because <laughs> I knew I was going to read the book. Um, I, I was nervous that they weren't going to be getting back together because their, their like relationship to each other was so complicated and at times problematic in the first book that um they lied to each other a little they lied to each other a lot they used each other which she which she straight up you know talks about in this book and i was afraid that there wasn't gonna be any closure to their relationship i was really really happy that there was and they just admitted that they loved each other and like all right we're gonna you know we're gonna we're and, and you know she said okay we're gonna get them back together they deserve to be back together yeah, I, I I liked that part. That's that's the get that I was hoping for. <laughs> it's like that OTP. Yeah, they've been through so much, you know, <laughs> and they they've really done a lot for each other. <laughs> yeah, and like I mean, just like how much he helped her, and like we kind of know this from the first book, but we get more of a picture of it in the second book. Like he was playing the lawn game to get her out of her story, and like the diligence and everything that that took. It's like, oh, he's just such a hero yeah i mean she's a hero too but you know like he doesn't disappoint are, are we just not gonna talk about the fact that he's like in his 40s now though he's not in his 40s is it okay what didn't he get like yeah he is because no. he was like 19 when they went there and then he then he waited for her to grow up in the hinterlands to yeah, save but her. He didn't really age that much. It was when she saw him. She he wasn't the you know boy from her prep school. He had become a man, but um, I think it's more like in a emotional and spiritual sense yeah. than like in an aged sense. 
right? Okay. Yeah, I that, think that, they actually, I think they actually caught up to each other because when she breaks out of her story in the first one, that's the first time I think she notices that. Well, some time went by while I was in there. Yeah, she's nineteen think, now. Yeah, and it was a couple of years on the outside. Um, she's nineteen by the end of the book, and then um, they mentioned too that like it's been two years on the outside for her, and he thinks it's just been a matter of weeks or months. Yes, um, that's right. So I, th- I think they're both 19 now. I mean, there's an argument to be made that when, like, it was, like, pulling out his life force and his hair was going gray and stuff, I mean, maybe he looks <laughs> a little haggard now. Um, <laughs> he looks like a really haggard 20-year-old. Yeah, but I, but I, my, my calculations were that they were around the same age still. Could be wrong, but that's, that's what I got. They kind of Benjamin buttoned, met in the middle. Sure, you got us sometimes. I guess to be fair, by my math, and I, I guess I, I guess I'm a little bit misremembering it, but by my, by my, by my math, he'd be in his late thirties. But maybe that's um. I don't think so. I think it's because the time passes quite differently in the story. Okay, kind of my idea. And also, I mean, I'd like to think, <laughs> like when when her mom comes home at the end and sees him, she says, "Is this the boy that saved you?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's <laughs> like, is- on my couch. Tell. Yeah. Is this the boy's dad? <laughs> like, yeah. Boy's grandpa that saved you? Yeah, that doesn't have quite the same ring to it, does it? I just I just feel like even though Ella's pretty loose on the rules, she would have balked a bit. Ah! Ella is so cool. I loved her in the first book and she just um she she continues to be a badass. Mm-hmm. Yep, but adapts. Adapts in her very human way, and she didn't exactly get a fair shake of childhood either. Growing up where she did, no, she she yeah. grew up kind of between worlds too. Yeah, I liked her. I appreciated the relationship that they had in this novel. There's a lot more honesty between them. I mean, Alice is still not telling her everything, and she's being kind of. I mean, she's kind of separating herself as an adult in a way, and and it's like natural though. Yeah, but. There is there is much more honesty than the relationship that they had in the first book, obviously, because stuff is out in the open and the truth is out there. And, and you know, they're calling each other on their bullshit, you know, and I appreciate that. That's true. I think the only lie that I remember her telling her was that she was staying at the Best Western, <laughs> not a, a yeah. hell hotel. Um, but other, other than that, I think it was just a matter of her not saying things, which isn't exactly better, but at least it's not outright lies. Right. And the, some of that, like I said, that's kind of natural growing up stuff. And then that's also just part of, I think, Alice's discovery of which world she belongs to. And then she's also really trying to keep her mom safe, too. Yes, she is. She definitely uh, relocates in order to try and uh, save Ella from uh, further exposure. But, you know, Scott and I have said this to many book characters over the years, and I'm sure you have too, Amanda. And that is, you cannot decide what other people get when they want to be in your life. You can't decide. And if book characters would just listen to us readers and just let people make their own decisions and not try to protect them or omit them or save them, it's like, y'all would save yourself a big headache. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be more rice, less Tamlin. Let's, let's just... <laughs> Was that another callback? Oh. It wasn't called back. But yeah, that um, th- that's what I appreciated about the relationship in this one is exactly that. Like she chooses to save to like you know try to protect her mother, 
but not in a disingenuous way, which is what often happens. You know, she's not lying to her to keep her out of it. She's just she's um she she tells her straight up i don't want you involved in this i want to protect you i'm going to do it i don't you, you don't want me to but i'm going to do it and that's just that's just what it is because <laughs> stone cold said so <laughs> um so let's talk a little bit about alice's uh storyline um i okay i'm not trying to toot my own horn here by any means any means but i knew daphne was bad i knew it was her but i did not know that her master assassin was small alice that was a good twist that that was a good twist and i um it, that's what made me realize i'm like wait a second what is alice three times what is that story like i only remember getting as far as like killing the brothers and then turning her eyes back on the castle of her birth and like foreboding and then i was like wait a second i don't think we got the whole story did we <laughs> There's a short story that came out between these. There's like a short mm. story that came out in the paperback version of the Hazelwood that we have not read yet. I wonder if that goes into more detail of Alice three times. Oh, that would that would be good. We should look that up. We've got to get on that, people. Did you guys also see Daphne coming as the as the bad, or did she fool you? Well, I knew she wasn't good, <laughs> but. But nobody is good from there. And I, I, it seemed like she was making some kind of a power play. I did not see the big reveal of her. I actually thought Yolanthe was the spinner in disguise. Oh, I didn't think I, that. That's a good theory, though. I was barking up the wrong tree on that one. Yeah. I, I didn't see Yolanthe as bad, though. So that was a big shock to me. Yeah, no, I did not see Yolanthe as bad either. But um, I, I, I definitely saw Daphne as bad. Um, I was just prepared for like, a Severus Snape situation or something along those lines, but mm-hmm. I was pr- I was pretty certain. Yeah, yeah, she's she's the baddie. She's a fun character, though. Oh yeah, needle teeth. Yeah. <laughs> she wears caps. <laughs> um, I love the hotel, and I love its creepy dilapidation and all of the creepy creeps that live inside of it and meet there. I thought that was so cool. What a cool setting! Since we can't be you know, all the way in the hinterland. Like, let's just make a really spooky, beautiful fairyland hotel. <laughs> and can I, can I get an, a, a, a consensus here? If I'm trying to summon a ghost, do I go down the hallway of a spooky old hotel? I'm just, I'm, it's not, it wouldn't have been my instinct, but my hat's off to Alice. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have just done it in my room. I don't know why. Maybe she was like, I can't sleep in there if it goes in my room. <laughs> like, I just can't. It's, I just can't. Yeah, I, I would maybe go to a different room. There's clearly a lot of vacancy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. It just, <laughs> this is just too much. But, that, but I, I mean, I loved it. I love that she would do that and didn't really think twice about it. I loved the ghost. I was getting Haunted Mansion, Constance Hatchaway vibes. I was very pleased with the ghost depiction. Do you think it worked? <laughs> it was just great. That was so funny. Yeah, I felt a little even moaning Myrtle in there. Like, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> like, she had a pretty good sense of perspective, I thought, really. Well, you know, there's not a lot to do. So this is kind of like, this is a big deal for her. Yeah, I liked it. her comment about the monstrosity of her dress. And like, I was the first one before they figured out to stop wasting the lace. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I, yeah, she has a good gala's humor that I really related to. Mm hmm. <laughs> 
Um, I did like that there was a whodunit aspect to this because, you know, it's like, okay, I knew Daphne was bad. I knew she's somehow involved in this pulling the strings, but I couldn't figure out like who else could be involved, um, like who that main hench person was. And I was like, they haven't given us enough tools that it's another character. So I was I was really kind of confounded, you know, but it was smart that it was, oh no, they gave us the character. She just did a really good job of obfuscating. I thought it might have been Sophia, to be honest. I thought she might have been like the like I the hedge person. I, I really did. I considered her. <laughs> because I mean, I, I felt like she was being set up like her her wanting to be able to die, I felt like was a setup for someone giving her a promise of, you know, if if you if you get this done you will be able to die well and you were right because that that is kind of true that is true but it it was not in the direction that i was expecting you know what else it reminded me of is the movie cabin in the woods with the willing sacrifice where you have to kind of trick people into being the willing sacrifice <laughs> have you Most seen true. cabin in the woods she has she loves it oh i love it yeah for sure it's like her favorite <laughs> horror movie it's her yeah, only they, horror movie. i was gonna say that's that's probably of, of the three horror movies that she's allowed herself to watch well, okay, if you, you, you throw Bradley Whitford into it, I'm, I'm going to watch it. Yes. And, and he's so good in that. So good. So good. He's so funny. Um, Yeah. So, oh, how much did we love the three little triplets? Yeah, that was cool. It that was, was a weird take. The trio. Yes, the trio. Thank you. Mm-hmm. They were really uh, creepy, made more so by being in a Catholic church. I can imagine that would be the case, particularly. Uh, <laughs> well, and especially yeah. as like, they're like these little tourists in there. They're like, oh, this weird religion they have is so great. <laughs> like, I know it wasn't quite what they're doing, but I almost imagine they're like taking pictures and eating popcorn and like. <laughs> We're hanging out with Jesus. <laughs> with this bloody Jesus. We like blood. <laughs> Oh, you know that church must have had one of the most, like, depending on your perspective, either beautiful or grotesque uh, crucifixes ever. A very bloody Jesus. <laughs> it would it would seem to appeal to their... Um, uh, um, bloodlust. Yeah, bloodlust. Yep, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a big with hinterlanders. <laughs> aren't we all dying to go back to that library and just go into every book and see what's happening? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, there was that one place with all the goat's milk. That was fun. <laughs> how pastoral. Thomas Kincaid print. I'm in. I love how much. Oh, my God. I know. I love how much that I, Atlanta. <laughs> what's her name? Yolanthe. Yolanthe. I love how much mastery she had over the travel. She was kind of like, hold on, I want to pop over here for a second, and then I'm going to pop in there, and okay, now I'm back. Yeah, it begs a lot of questions about her character. How long has she been bebopping around the worlds, and you know, how'd she get her first spell, and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, like her real story, her true story, I, I'm dying to know, dying to know. <laughs> I love the imagery of a book being portal to another world, like a world being being wrapped up in a book, and that's how you get into it. I, I've always loved that imagery, probably since I first played Mist as a child. Uh, and so, yeah, just having a library of books and each book takes you to a different world is kind of my crack. It's Page Master vibes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Totally. And, and I, I loved that. And then I also just loved the, um, the great... Uh, way that she described and set up the dead world where the library is. 
um, you know, just that sense of, of decay and of nothingness that's left. Yeah, it's like it's sad, but it's like really beautiful. And you can just like you feel like you can smell it and you can see it. Um, yeah, it's it's quite something. And you know what I, I also want to say, too, is I love when books are written for book people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's like a book for bookworms. And I feel like it's a total love letter to bookworms and book people, not just fantasy fans but definitely fairy tale and fantasy fans and you know i said like oh what else do you guys want to add but i think we'd be remiss if we didn't point out like you know finch became a spinner that one time yeah that may, that's pretty cool it's n- neat that he really did get to be the hero of his own story for a little while it was like his dream come true but like kind of in a twisted way mm-hmm. he got yeah. what he always wanted but it wasn't what he really wanted tell yeah. him what he wants what he really really wants <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then in the end, he gave it up, you know? Yeah, because it was, it was a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, even even though it, giving that up, he thought there was a real good chance that he would lose the thing that it turned out to actually be the most important part of his life, which would be Alice. Yeah, it shows, like, um, you know, his bravery, too, when it's like, you know, she yells to him, like, to not let Daphne be the first one in. And it's just, like, really selfless, you know, that he just rushes in there and... Yeah, love, love him. I mean, he really, I mean, at this point, he really will do anything for Alice. Anything. Mm-hmm. And he just trusts her implicitly. So human. <laughs> I love that he made amends with his dad. Yeah, that was really great, too. Um, Can you remind me what the problem was that he was having with his father? Because I don't remember. I think a lot of it stemmed from his mom not being around anymore. And it was like, he was kind of an absentee father. Yeah, and uh, he had that horrible stepmother who uh, had just kind of rubbed him out of uh, his father's life, replace him with whatever child she was going to uh, bring about. That's right. Right. That's right. I remember now. So I think Ellery and his father just kind of completely distanced themselves. And um, ultimately, with him being gone for like four years, I think is what it would be. Um, And then coming back together, and they're both clearly in different places in their lives now. I thought, it, I thought it was a really nice addition. Yeah, his dad I'll, missed him. He he loved him. He did miss him for like the two years he was gone. Yeah, because because uh, Finch was convinced that he wouldn't, that he, he really wouldn't miss him. It's so silly. It's like, of course your dad misses you, bro. Yeah, which sounds like an angry sixteen-year-old sort of you know approach to a problem. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, does anybody know if there's going to be more Hazelwood books? I know that she's coming out with short stories. Tales from Tales the from the Hinterland. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. That's really cool. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard one way or the other. I mean, she certainly could pick it back up. There's there's always a possibility of another big bad, or uh, you know, Spinner could wake up, or maybe it turns out Spinner doesn't have to be awake to really cause some ruckus. Well, I appreciate, and I, I feel like this is kind of a new thing because this isn't the first time I've seen this that she calls it a Hazelwood novel because I think there's a lot of room in this world to write more stories that aren't that that don't even necessarily have to feature Alice and Finch. Yeah, no, I think if there's a next book, it could and I I think it should be about Yolanthe and I will try to learn to pronounce her name in Before those Before that years. happens. <laughs> I mean, again, that's that's just what I found. Maybe <laughs> Maybe there's a different pronunciation out there. Maybe um, that's not even her real name. Uh, yeah, heck, I don't know. <laughs> it's really just like Susan. 
It could be. And she was like, no, I want to be like, you know, this mysterious creature that crawls through the different worlds. Yeah. So I have kind of one final question. Do you do you did you get the impression that the that the the spinner was the was the mage was the wizardess? Oh yeah, I thought that was pretty explicit by the end of it. Same. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, at first I was kind of thinking it was just a story of one person who created their own world, but when I thought back and it was like and she filled it she filled it with fairy tales. It's like, "Oh, I think that I think that really is the spinner." Yeah. Yeah, plus um, she, uh, I want to say retrograded, <laughs> she she went back to her original, like, super beautiful um, visage, which she wouldn't normally have been able to do with that kind of magic. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that, that kind of really put the nail in the coffin there. Right. This is who this is. And she's she's mad as hell and she wants her little world back. I liked her a lot better after that story. Like, if I think, it, like, I liked the character in that story. I liked her and I felt for her like, and and so, um, you know, combining that story with who we know as the spinner kind of makes me feel for her a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she only loved one thing in her life and it was horribly taken from her and her father. And it's not like they had a great relationship. (laughs) So (laughs) by the time it happened, she's like, okay, so I'm done now. Uh, Yeah, no, I agree. And there's something about like, her motivation is really strong and I appreciate that. She has a lot of um, conviction. You basically, you get to be a god and then you get that taken away from you. I can imagine that would be maybe upsetting. Yep, absolutely. I I understand why she uh, went to the lengths she did to uh, blame Alice or or put Alice at the center of the whole thing. Um, Can't even say blame Alice. She actually technically did do all those horrible things. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I can't blame her for being a little miffed. That made sense. I also loved that um, Ella got to tell a story. That was really cool that she got to, you know, give her version as she knew it of the night country. And I love that little tidbit that Althea, a.k.a. Grandma, and the spinner would meet for tea about once a year. There was something about that that just, it to me, it was like an evolution of a wizard stool. And I just, I love that, that they were like, they're not friends, they're not enemies, but they're the only two people that could even kind of understand what the other one's going through yeah yeah i agree that was that was neat and it it said something about althea and where she had been like where where she sort of went towards the end of her life emotionally that was interesting i'd like to think they were also hooking up but that was not (laughs) they didn't say that but i think it was implied (laughs) i'm I'm, yeah very comfortable with that (laughs) (laughs) the spinner had no more room left in her heart for a man but maybe that's right. Maybe woman. And Althea was a queer woman. So yeah, there you go. I love it. Oh my gosh, you guys, I had so much fun discussing this book with you. So we have to close this out with our final execution scores. I have it. All right. Manda, how many fairy feet out of five would you give this book? (laughs) I, I would give this book five fairy feet out of five. And I'm very sorry for the little fairy who lost its other foot. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that for me, it's always, um, you know, do I feel like the author hit what they were aiming for? And I, I it's, it was delightful. She, I really thought she shot it out of the park. She did such a great job as a follow-up to a book that I really, really enjoyed the first time. And that's not easy to do. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm all in. All the feet. All the feet. I, 
I have to say, this book was not what I was expecting. It wasn't what I was afraid it was going to be, and it wasn't what I was excited for it to be either. It ended up being better than what I was excited for. I, I have to agree. I have to give it five fairy feet out of five. I think, I think it exceeded expectations by being different while still capturing that same magic. I agree with both of you guys. I think you both said it really perfectly. I love that idea, Amanda, of like, what did the author set out to accomplish and did they do it and I think that um, Melissa Albert really did and along with Scott like it really exceeded my expectations and it threw me for a loop a few times and it went directions that um, I was not anticipating it going I have so much faith faith <laughs> I have so much faith in Melissa Albert <laughs> as a writer <laughs> what you said fate that time you still can't say faith right <laughs> it's not my fault well, okay, if you've made it this far, full disclosure, I'm on some really heavy medication right now for pain. Um, and I can't speak. I can't you're, speak. You're doing great, though. Thank really. you. I just want to say how much I love Melissa Albert, and I think she's amazing. I have complete trust in her as an author. Um, and no fairies were actually harmed in the making of giving this episode five out of five feet. Oh, okay. Fairies are magical. They can have one feet. They can have five feet. They can have any any number of feet that they want. They're fairies. I'll go out and leave a little offering to uh, make amends to the folk. <laughs> I think it's probably a good idea. <laughs> I'm going to go. I don't have much. I'm going to give them a talkie. We are in lockdown here. No fairy For feet. <laughs> I mean, you just never want to be on the wrong side of history when it comes to the good people. That's right. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. This episode would not have been the same without you. Thank you so much for inviting me on, you guys. It's, a, it's always a great joy to talk to you about this stuff. It was a pleasure. It was so great. The pleasure was all ours. All right, everybody. Without further ado, let's say goodnight. I'm Sandra. I'm Scott. I'm Amanda. And please keep reading past your bedtime. holding up bug i'm okay i miss the opportunity to say it's as cold as ice and i'm really 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 kicking myself <laughs> sip of my drink also good a little earth juice over here <laughs> earth juice does that mean wine people call it water um, oh <laughs>